Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good afternoon. Scott Luton, Greg White with you here on Supply Chain. Now, welcome to today's live stream. Gregory, how are we doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? We're doing wonderful. It is a gorgeous day in Metro Atlanta. What's the weather like down where you are? <laughs> it, 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 I'm looking outside. It's, it's beautiful okay. out there. Yes, it is. It's beautiful in uh, Hilton Head. Oh, Scott, I promised that the next time we were on the air, I would have the numbers for the global supply chain, Hilton Head supply chain container backup, whatever. Transportation index, logistics right? supply chain, low country yes. index, global yes. index. Yeah, so and good news there. So uh, for the port of Savannah, right off of Hilton Head here, the port of Savannah, seven, the count is seven ships waiting this morning, first thing in the morning. The even better news, Scott, is down from 27, the port of Charleston had only 12 ships waiting outside of the port this morning. So they are making progress and it's progress based on some numbers we're about to discuss today with our friends from U.S. Bank. We sure are. That's a perfect segue. Very apropos. Don't ask me to spell that. On this episode, Greg, we're going to be sharing key insights from one of the leading transportation industry resources, the U.S. Bank Freight Payment Index. This one for quarter one. 2022. We just wrapped up a few weeks ago. Uh, we're also going to be gaining key takeaways from the index and from two business leaders with right. extensive experience in the transportation markets and beyond. Don't miss this. We've got a great, great repeat guest, or two great repeat guests, frankly. Yeah, I got to sit up straight because Kathy is on. <laughs> so really quick, Greg, before we introduce our guests and before we say hello to a few folks, uh, we really enjoyed our ongoing collaboration with U.S. Bank going back several years now. It's one of the leading financial institutions involved in powering the transportation industry forward. The backbone, as we all know, of the global supply chain community, right? Yeah. I mean, look, this is based on $37 billion worth of transactions. So all these freight transactions that go through U.S. Bank, the data is captured, anonymized, of course, and then utilized to understand what's going on in in the marketplace. And we're going to have some really good discussion about what, what is, Scott, and what isn't going on in the freight marketplace. So I'm pretty excited to have Kathy here and, of course, Bobby Holland here to talk about this. But look, this is the, a huge authority in terms of what's going on in the freight world. And there's a lot of misinformation potentially out there. but and, and it's really interesting to see how things have shifted over the last several quarters. Scott, we've been doing this. I think it's this is two years and one quarter, or okay. is it three years and one quarter? Hey, when you're having fun, who, who, we it's all a lose long count. time, isn't it? I mean, you know, we, we know Bobby's grandkids now, <laughs> right? <I'm, laughs> uh, I feel well, like we've done everything but meet Bobby that's in his right. new grill. <laughs> We're going to do that soon. But hey, you mentioned misinformation. We just might, as part of our conversation today, dispel the notion that's out there 
pervading certain certain conversations that there's a freight recession. We have one panelist that's very uh, adamant that that is not the case. We'll yeah. see if that comes up today. Uh, before we bring in Bobby and Kathy and formally introduce them, I want to say hello to a few folks. Shrinivas is back with us from India, of course. Shrinivas, yeah. it is so great to have you back with us. You, you're one of our longest running listeners and live stream participants. So we look forward to hearing what your take is today. Yeah, the weather is in India, but he's just going to say dark because it's late. <laughs> oh, it is. Pre- yeah, gosh, it is pretty late there. Depending Shanevis. on what part of the country he's in, it's like 10 and a half to or nine and a half to 11 hours ahead, something like Dang. that. Well, look forward to his perspective. Uh, Ada Damola is back with us. Really have enjoyed your feedback throughout very uh, a few recent live streams. She says it's a sunny day here in Hull. Hello, Scott and Greg. Great to have you. Added them all. Yeah. Let's see. Brenda Allen is back. President Kenny Bob's Foods from Springfield, Tennessee. Brenda, hope this finds you well. So great to hear you. Now, Brenda says she's not hearing any sound. We'll make sure that turn up the volume. <laughs> turn up the volume. Turn up the volume. Uh, pump up the jam. But hey, Catherine and Amanda and uh, Chantel and the team will double check that and uh, let us know. Yeah. Hopefully that gets. All you got to do is make the call to technical support, and that fixes it. Right. It seems like <laughs> that is right. We call for help. It looks themselves. <laughs> Jignesh is also tuned in via LinkedIn. Great to see you here, Jignesh. And again, we want to hear everybody's take as we talk about what's going on in freight uh, from coast to coast. So with all that said, Greg, we couldn't get to a few folks. Uh, we'll work through that throughout the hour. Are you ready, Greg? You buckled up, ready to go and introduce our guests here today. Up first, Bobby Holland, Director of Freight Data Solutions at U.S. Bank. And Bobby is joined by our dear friend, Kathy Mara Robertson, founder and president at Logistics Trends and Insights, LLC. Hey, Kathy, Bobby, how are we doing today? Doing well. Yeah, doing well. Thanks. How are y'all? Doing fantastic. And we're doing even better now because we got two of our longtime favorites back with us here today, Bobby Holland and Kathy Mara Robertson. And, you know, I bet we got some new listeners. You know, you, y'all both have appeared, as Greg was talking about, and Kathy, of course, has been with us on numerous shows going back a couple of years. But for the handful of new folks, let's let them kind of get to know y'all a little better. So, uh, Bobby, I want to start with you. Tell us just a little bit about who Bobby Holland is. Well, I'm the Director of Freight Data Solutions at U.S. Bank. been with the bank for uh, almost six years, uh, but I've been in uh, data processing, computer science-related fields for a long, long time. <laughs> We're not going to be specific. That's good. That's good. Never be specific. So, so. vagueness is our friend for sure, Bobby. We had and, somebody and, confess to Fortran coding, Bobby, which I mean makes right. them our grandparents. I think so. I do not recall. Yeah, I have no recollection of that, Senator. Oh, gosh. Well, hey, uh, Bobby, great to have you back as always. That's some really smart stuff you've been dealing with for quite some time, not including Fortran, which we won't mention. Again, vagueness is our best friend. Kathy Marl Robertson, so great to see you again. Last time we connected, you were in Vegas at the Reverse Logistics Association, but you're one of our faves, and I know Freight is one of your faves, right? Definitely, definitely. So tell us about yourself. Okay, well, so the Fortran thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember that. <laughs> you studying that in textbooks, you mean, right? Yeah, from the yeah, from historical perspective. There yeah, you go. That's right. um, now, I've, I've been in the supply chain world for over 20 years, 
and I wear many hats these days. So yeah, overall, I do have my little company, Logistics Trends and Insights, which is a market research firm. Under that umbrella, I work with the Reverse Logistics Association as their research manager. I write content for other uh, companies uh, within the logistics space. I also hang out with the Journal of Commerce people, yep. uh, folks, for a few hours a week, uh, helping them out with research and, and such as that. And you have got your finger on the pulse of the uh, of many things, but including the freight markets globally. Yeah. But we're going to focus here, of course, of course, coast to coast. So great to have you here, Kathy. And towards the end of today's show, we're going to be talking about uh, one of the things that she is leading uh, freight for in addition to uh, the Journal of Commerce. So stay tuned to that. So, Greg, before we keep moving with uh, Bobby and Kathy here, this is this is like a one heck of a one two punch, right? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, well, and I think I think it would be good to explain for anyone who's new or doesn't recall, because it it's very uh, complex and data intensive process. This freight payment index. So, uh, Bobby, maybe you can start by sharing. Aside from thirty seven billion dollars worth of transactions, what is it that goes into the freight payment index to give us all this incredibly valuable data? And maybe a baseline for. <laughs> baseline for how it works so people understand the the numbers as we go through this thing well as you said it's it's based on uh, a lot of data data that's generated from our transaction processing uh, it's a truckload and less than truckload uh, based uh, because over well over 70 percent uh, of our processing is uh, in those two uh, modes and uh, it's a chain-based index and it's calculated back from 2010. And basically, you know, we do a lot of calculations basically to balance out uh, the time periods, the quarterly time periods to ensure that we're doing accurate comparisons between quarters and then also between year over year. Yeah. So 2010 is kind of the zero mark. The starting, it's the starting point and then we calculate, you know, each relative to each previous quarter and each previous year. Got it. Okay. So people know what they're looking at. So Kathy, when you're looking at this or when other companies are looking at this, how how do you or how do other people in the industry use this to figure out what it's telling them and what they can do with this information? I think it's kind of a, a, a benchmark on where we were and where we're heading into the next um, quarter or so. Uh, it's great to know. It's a uh, respected index for one thing. Mm the number of data points uh, that it has makes it a trusted solution for analysts like me to be able yeah. to use and, you know, to feel more confident. Yeah. As you remember, you know, former librarian here. So that's always the first thing I look for <laughs> is the methodology and the understanding of what that index means. And this one is one of those. It makes sense to me. Mm. So yeah, I use it in, market um, market analysis, and it helps with a forecast, um, helps me with my forecasting as well. Love it. I think that's a really important understanding to have because look, especially with the way the media works today, things can get really emotional and, and really non-academic, anecdotal, and someone's singular experience can turn into something that's broadcast as fact or truth in 
you know, about a marketplace. And we're going to talk about, we kind of alluded to that earlier. We're going to talk about some of that uh, later in the show. But I think that's important is that the truly knowledgeable use this as a baseline to understand what's really going on in the marketplace, not what people perceive is going on. Yep. It's, it's a, yeah, it's another perspective. It's another perspective. And I appreciate that Kathy uses it that way because that's what our intention was. We wanted to provide U.S. Bank's perspective on the marketplace and allow um, customers and non-customers even who use this to take it in as another point that helps them to make pertinent decisions in their business. So we appreciate that. Well said. Hey, really quick sidebar. Uh, some of our listeners uh, are, you know, some, some for some of our listeners, it's working great. For others of our listeners, they're having a problem with the video and the audio. Sometimes the social platforms don't play nice. It looks like it's getting rectified in some cases. Our team is on it and they're in touch with StreamYard, our platform. So stay tuned. And hey, worst case scenario, we'll be publishing the recording of today's discussion. So stay tuned. We'll work through any issues we have. Okay. Looks like YouTube is good. If folks are having trouble on LinkedIn, they could jump over to that. That's an excellent point. And 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 to our team, Amanda, Chantel, and Catherine, drop, if y'all would, drop the YouTube link to the live stream in the comments. That'd be great. Okay. So we're going to keep driving with the freight payment index. And Bobby, I want to start with, as we're, where we normally start, before we go region by region, get everybody's color commentary there, let's start at the higher level, right? the national point of view. What's going on with the, uh, in the first quarter here? So from a national perspective, we had shipments that were down 2.2% over Q4 of 2021. And uh, shipments, or I'm sorry, spend was up 1.2%. There's usually, and I, I think Kathy, we mentioned it um, earlier, but we normally have a seasonal dip in Q1. Um, things are coming down off of the, the higher uh, holiday um, shipments and, and expenditures in the last quarter of 20 of the previous year. And so there's normally a dip. Now in this particular quarter, um, we had headwinds. We had the various COVID-19 variants. Uh, we had severe spikes in energy prices. We had the Ambassador Bridge closure, which uh, put a dent in auto manufacturing and then we've also all you know, read the news and seen uh, the reportings on inflation. So these are the headwinds that we faced in this quarter. Um, but the good side of it is that the, even though we had those headwinds, the dip wasn't as low as it could have been because there's also a lot of economic activity going on. Uh, one of the statistics we, we cited in the index was that um, 1.7 million new uh, workers added, according to the Department of Labor, um, highest factory output since 2008, according to the Federal Reserve. So things like that, a lot of economic activity in certain sectors is kind of helping to keep that dip from going lower than usual. So it'll be something we, we definitely want to continue to watch as we go into Q2. Well said. Okay. Hey, really quick uh, to our listeners, got a little trivia question. So Bobby mentioned the Ambassador Bridge. It's uh, one of the busiest stretches in all the world. It's been in operation for over 90 years. But the qu trivia question is, what two cities does it connect? So we're going to give a minute. <laughs> None of the panel is excluded. But the first person to get that right, the first two, the two cities that Ambassador Bridge connects, we're going to send a little goodie to. Okay. So Bobby kind of laid out some initial observations coast to coast. Uh, Kathy, I wanna, you know, what would you add uh, initially here? The one thing I, I would mention is the Chinese New Year, the uh, Chinese Lunar 
holiday season, which changes on a uh, annual basis. So it could be it could fall in February or it could fall in January. So anytime you're trying to make uh, gather any type of understanding of the market for just those two months alone, it's it's difficult. It's almost next to impossible because mm -hmm. it's that it's like comparing apples to oranges. So the one thing that is you know another another plus for the index is the fact that it is quarterly. So you have that March in you know the month of March in there which really helps to smooth it all out and get a better understanding of what happened in the quarter. And yet Bobby's right. The um, COVID hit pretty hard for a, a number of uh, shippers as well as logistics providers in that January uh, time period. And it real, it slowed things down. And uh, then you saw it recover fairly right. nicely in March. That's right. Thank you for that, Kathy. And we're going to, again, we're going to go region by region in just a second. But Greg, based on what Bobby and Kathy have shared, what, would, what else would you add? I think what's important is what we didn't see, which is a pretty good sized dip, you know, usually in Q1, because usually, and the, the report talked about this, January and February are very, very low, as Bobby talked about. And March is not enough volume, though it's starting to come back. March is not enough volume to offset that. I think we had a combination of factors happening, particularly on the West Coast, where there was so much backup. We've talked about this. There was so much backup and such an incredible imbalance, some of it self-induced. But for instance, we I commented on an article about iRobot, whose shipments for Christmas didn't make it by Christmas, I imagine, because of the number of ships outside Long Beach and Los Angeles. That, that occurred with many, many other shippers. The other is that the uh, ports of Long Beach and Los Angeles made an exceptional effort to you because they had so heavily used trucking because of the situation in Chicago where shot, Chicago shut down mm. uh, to rail early in the year. They started moving ships via trucking, but then they realized that they had an imbalanced demand for the rail carriers. And then they started making a significant move towards rail carriers to move that those goods inland as well. So there's just all kinds of uh, conflicting strategies. Everyone is in catch up mode right now, right? Mm. And they are they are responding, not preempting. And and you know, cats are sleeping with dogs, and this you know the seventh <laughs> sign is coming, but not really. But but I think we have to understand that there is a lot of imbalance in the marketplace, and you know we're going to see some nutty numbers even with an index that is you know that has so many years of history and so much looking back. The other is rates, hello, up 27.5% over last year. I mean, the spend is up 27.5%, even though shipments are only up 1.2%. So, you know, it is, it's a little bit crazy right now. So my dogs, Ruby and Dexter, are offended by your comment about cats and dogs getting together. Uh, so just, they wanted me to communicate Sorry, that to you. That's an old Steve Martin shtick. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. Hey, we have we have a winner. So uh, T Square doesn't win for specifics, but generally speaking, he got it. It is the, the ambassador. That's right. Ambassador Bridge connects Detroit, the great city of Detroit, with the great city of Windsor, Ontario, Canada. But hey, he got Detroit to Ontario right, so he's going to be our winner. Hey, T Squared, if you would, of course, you hold down the fort for us on YouTube, but shoot Amanda a note or connect with Amanda or Catherine on LinkedIn. That way, we get your email address and then we'll get your a little prize out to you. So great to have you here as always. Okay, so let's keep driving. 
we want to go regionally. We got a lot more to tackle, and 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 there's some regional differences. There's some regional common trends, and as always, there's some unique differences amongst the regions. What we've got here pulled up, and again, folks, y'all can uh, get the freight payment index for free using the link in the show notes. This is the kind of the um, the top line themes. We've got it broken down. You'll find in the index uh, with uh, on the spin side and the volume side. And you can also go to freight.usbank.com. But now, Bobby, we're going to go region by region. And we're going to start up here in the Northeast. So let, let's start there. What would you see specifically in the Northeast? Uh, the Northeast, um, perhaps because of population density, um, was hard hit, hardest hit by the, the COVID variants. Um, so we see that for the Northeast, uh, they were down shipments wise, uh, 1.8%, again, a minor drop, but still um, in line with, with the usual considering, um, but spend was up almost 3%. So a lot going on, uh, again, impacted by the, the COVID variant. Um, and some chilly weather, right? Chilly weather and energy costs. Uh, that's a big one. Uh, the cost of moving goods. Uh, went up substantially, as we can see. It was 2.9% uh, up in spend, but 31 over 31% from last year. A lot of that can be attributed to rising fuel prices. We put some statistics in there on how fuel prices went from about 360 end of 2021, floating at around a little over five dollars now, substantial in just three months, almost doubling in price for fuel, and that's mm. diesel. So, again, not pretty. Close, it makes of, me want to yeah, close my eyes and close on. my ears. <laughs> okay. Oh, it makes me want to close, shut my eyes and close my ears sometimes. Some of the bad yeah. news, some things we've been seeing. But hey, that it is it's reality. Kathy, when we're looking at Northeast, what else would you add to Bobby's uh, take there? No, I think I think Bobby's right. He's spot on with, with it. I know with the port, the port of New York, New Jersey had some COVID outbreaks during the quarter. There was also weather issues that slowed things down as well yep yep and greg you're on mute my friend sorry i'm there's a little noise in the background here so i there's, um, there's cats and dogs getting together having a party yeah. in it right rates 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 and you know and again what what bobby and kathy have said i i think that's going to be a really familiar tune as we go through these these regions of the country but uh, you know i think the the thing to see is where these rates come out. You know, I think there were some areas of the country that were impacted by other factors and we're yet to see the impact. We'll talk about that when we talk about a couple of the other of the other regions. That's right. That's right. Okay. Hey, really quick. Uh, I want to welcome in. This is uh, McCrane from Algeria. Sometimes if you comment on LinkedIn and if you've got a certain privacy setting, your profile doesn't pop up. So check out your privacy setting. But regardless, uh, McCrane, great to have you here today. And one of our favorites, also, Dr. Rhonda from out in Arizona. Hey, uh, Rhonda, we're going to be talking about uh, the Midwest and the West uh, when it comes to freight soon. So hopefully you can stick around and let us know what you're seeing. Always love your insights here. Okay, so we're moving from the Northeast to, let's go to the, the, the Southeast, kind of home base for us here. So, Bobby, tell us what, what you saw going on in the Southeast. Uh, the Southeast had one of the larger declines in shipments. It was 4% um, in the first quarter and off 2.9% from a year earlier. And the spend was down 1.4% from fourth quarter. But again, these are, it's all relative. These are coming from very high levels. 
um, over last year. Uh, we can see that things are, are uh, you know, continue to, to recover uh, from all the pandemic issues. Um, the Southeast has heavy in, uh, reliance on auto manufacturing. And so uh, that another ripple potential uh, ripple effect from the Ambassador Bridge closing is kind of rippled through. This is one of the regions that was um, affected. So again, the same pressures that were there, plus the additional pressure from, you know, semiconductors, plus you have, like I said, the, what I, I frame it as an outsized um, effect of the Ambassador Bridge closing and the, the shutdowns that, that occurred because of that um, impacted this region a lot. Yep. Well said there. Uh, of course, the, the automotive, just like the Midwest, which we're going to touch on in a minute, you know, how important the automotive industry is and the housing starts. I think the Southeast was one of the few bright spots for housing starts and housing permits nationally, because at least in March, nationally, housing starts, single family housing starts and permits really plunged. A lot of good right stuff 20% there. Over That's there. right. That's right, Bobby. Okay. So Kathy, our home base, you know, we love South Carolina and Georgia and, and our getaways in the mountains and whatnot. Uh, what, what freight wise, what'd you see in the Southeast? I'm kind of surprised about the decline in shipments. And so I'm, I'm, I'd like more information on that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I, I'm out there on the interstate. Golly, fun. There's a lot of trucks and the ports. I mean, Savannah and Charleston have been super busy. Yeah, there have been backups for sure. Mm-hmm. And maybe that attributed to some of the decline there with the inability of the trucks to get to to the ports in and out on a consistent basis. Maybe that was it. I don't know, but it was some interesting numbers there. Yep. One of the, one of the sideline impacts is, and I think Greg alluded to it, um, now I mentioned it earlier, was a possibility that a lot of mode shifting occurred. And again, because we're truckload and, and less than truckload, yep. if they were shifting modes, it would look like um, a drop in some of these, these prices, uh, some of these areas. Um, even though perhaps in others, um, you know, it's gone up and that's the thing, you know, one of the things that we'll be doing in the future is adding modes, but right now most of our data is because that's most of our processing is on truckload and less than truckload. We don't have necessarily the, the visibility we would like currently into some of these other modes to be able to, to balance that. But that's thing. That's some of the research that I did said that that's a possibility. Ah, uh, mode that- shifting. That makes sense. That makes yep. sense because um, I know there was a, a Journal of Commerce article, uh, I think last week, talking about that shift from ocean to air on mm. the East Coast. It was, something, it was like, from a volume perspective, it was up over 24% year over year in the month of March. So, yeah, that makes sense, Bobby. A lot of good stuff, Journal of Commerce. And, and Kathy, please tell Eric Johnson we said hello. Eric's one of our faves here as well. Really quick, Greg, I'm coming to you for your take. Again, we're talking about the Southeast, sure. but but really quick, Bobby mentioned uh, LTL a couple of times. We interviewed earlier uh, last week, I think it was, an LTL driver with Southeastern Freight Lines. Uh, he's been driving. He's a veteran. He's been driving about eight years. His dad's been driving, same company for 30 years, and it was really neat, neat conversation. But Joey Thiessen had a, had a message for all of us. He wants to start a campaign, hashtag bring back the air horn, is what Joey Thiessen said. So he wants all the kids – across the country, across the globe, the hashtag bring back the air horn. So Greg, with that in mind, let's talk about freight in the Southeast. 
I just want to know who these people are who don't do that. I mean, I was brought up doing that. I still do it when I'm driving, even by myself. <laughs> that's, that's what makes it fun. It does. It sure um, does. Yeah, well, sure. regards to the Southeast, look, I can tell you that uh, a lot of cars, to the automotive point that Bobby made, a lot of cars land in Charleston. I can tell you that at the RBC Heritage, the golf tournament here in, in Hilton Head, we did our part. I drove into the area where the golf tournament had been played and there were fairways of other golf courses lined with the BMW courtesy cars. So those of you out there looking for a new car, <laughs> I think they used X3s if you like the X3. Nice. There, were, there are about to be hundreds of them hit, hit the used car lots. And that's the point. Used cars are more readily available, particularly for the German makes than new cars. And it's going to get worse because the other factors that are impacting German cars are the availability of componentry, some of which are is made in Ukraine, the wiring harnesses for, for virtually every German car maker made in Ukraine, and of course, no production in Ukraine. We uh, tried to, I actually just bought a car, a new car for the first time in seven years. <laughs> because it was cheaper to buy the same model new than it was to buy it used with 15,000 miles. So, wow. I, that, I mean, used cars have gotten outrageous. And of course, that's a whole ex, uh, separate story. But the point that they made was you better buy a new car now if you're going to buy a German make, because they won't, they may not be available. Audi is already uh, ceased taking additional orders from dealers. Um, BMW has announced to their dealers that they are the production will get worse. I had a f uh, friend who ordered either an Audi or BMW, and it was originally going to be produced in June of this year as a 22 model. He's been notified that it will be delivered, uh, I think, about 2030. In, in as a 2023 model mm. in October, November of this year. So that impact is going to be greater going forward. I know Bobby can't speak to forward-looking comments, right. but, but uh, demand from Europe for those things, uh, you know, that are, that are being impacted because you have to think about the fact that also Pol Poland, Moldova, Romania, and Hungary are also being overrun by refugees and that's impacting production in those countries as people step away from work to help those people find homes or survive or whatever. So, the impact of that is going to be substantial, particularly on the automotive trade. That's right. Along those lines, really quick note, uh, our dear friends at Vector Global Logistics are pooling resources together to leverage logistics for folks in Ukraine and Poland, vetted needs with vetted resources and vetted conveyances. So check out, uh, you can Google Vector Global Logistics or folks on the production team can drop that in the comments. Really quick, Hugh, thank you for sticking it out. Uh, again, it's been a tale of two cities. Some folks have not had any issue but LinkedIn is a little bit janky for some folks here today. So Hugh, thank you for sticking it out and great to have you here. Looking forward to your uh, That should comments. be on their website, shouldn't it? Yeah. LinkedIn, it's janky. <laughs> some, some days, some days for sure. All right. So we're about halfway through the regions. We've gone through Northeast and Southeast. We've got the Midwest, the Southwest and the West. Really quick though, because I think folks are going to enjoy this. Uh, Kathy, if I can put you on the spot. Uh, one of my favorite moments of the pre-show was uh, your take dispelling the freight recession and really quick. Could you just give us a couple of comments there? Cause I know this is something you're passionate about. I think folks need to hear what you have to say. Oh my goodness. So there's a lot of talk 
on social media about whether or not we're in a freight recession. Now, we're not. As far as I'm concerned, we're not. Uh, there's too many other variables that are pointing otherwise right now. Now, with that being said, maybe later next, uh, later this year, early next year, we may be in a freight recession by then. Who knows? But right now, we're not because, first of all, we've got the rates, uh, the spot rates, particularly for truckloads, have been falling dramatically uh, over, I, I think, what, from March until uh, I think they're continuing to drop right. as we speak. However, while the spot rates are dropping, the contract contract rates are holding. Uh, it's really a shift away from spot to contract to help balance out shippers' supply chains, their their, uh, their transportation spend. So they're seeing an opportunity right now to take advantage of the contract. There's capacity. The, the capacity is there. It's, we have ample, well, I wouldn't say we have ample capacity. It's still right. very tight, but there is capacity out there. The outlook right now is still promising for shippers as well as consumers, we're still spending, uh, you know, as consumers, we're still spending. May yes. have slowed a bit, but we're still spending. And uh, we're also, this whole March, April time period is kind of like a trough. Right. Where we're moving from cold weather, the winter into spring, which is the agricultural season. That's right. where you usually see spot rates start jumping up. Also, as we go into June, that time period, that's peak season for ocean freight and for for retailers inventories for the back to school time period and on into the fall. It's still very promising from everything I'm seeing. So don't buy into the hype. When you hear anything, check in with Kathy or Bobby first and and you'll you'll better understand or my dear friend Greg White who I loved last week Greg. A uh, really quick aside, and we're going to keep moving, I promise, is uh, when the um, uh, the bird flu came out. Uh, you, you use the pun of the sky, you know, chicken little sky is not falling. It's been, it's happened before. We'll get through this, you know, supply chains, you know, we've gotten through this stuff before. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot, some folks like to blow up everything and, and are addicted to bad news, but we've been well, there I think before. We have to also recognize, Scott, that a lot of this was prompted by the markets, the stock markets reaction to the Dow transports, right? Which got crushed by 14% starting about the beginning of April on the speculation of a freight recession. And that of course blew up all over social media and throughout the environment. By the way, the Dow transports are have moved back up. Wonderful. And uh, um, you know, the, the, the thing that we have to understand is particularly that with the stock market that you uh, move your stocks. Some say buy, but you move your stocks on speculation. And when somebody says recession, you know, the bottom drops out and, uh, you know, and that's what happens. So, you know, some of this could be a precursor. Some of it could be completely erroneous, but it's not happening now, I guess, is the point that Kathy is making. There, there, is, there are good reasons to believe that it could happen in, in the future, as there are with everything, because we are in an everything bubble right yep. now. That is, I am not an economist, nor am I a banker, nor an analyst, but an opinionist. Um, a futurist. We, I'm a, I'm a, yeah, futurist, right. Right. 
<laughs> so, I, I mean, I think I think we have to understand that there are a lot of factors at work that if people do stop buying things or companies are unable to ship things, then, of course, the demand for shipping will go down. And there are indicators of, you know, kind of pointing every direction right now. Yep. So no need to panic. No need to panic. Hey, I love that. Thank you, Kathy and Greg, for your frankness here today. Really quick. Uh, hello, Jose. Hey, thank you for that feedback. We look forward to hearing your take throughout the conversation. Balan from UAE, welcome in. Appreciate that. Jose, uh, by the way, Jose, let us know where you're tuned in from. We'd love to make that connection. Karan is also tuned in from India. Great to see you here, Karan, uh, once again via LinkedIn. Okay, so let's get back to, we pick back up with the Midwest region of Bobby Holland. So what's going on in the Midwest region? Okay, so for the Midwest region, uh, shipment was down uh, 3.1%, but spend was up 3%. Again, this was uh, the other region that was hardest hit um, by the uh, automotive uh, manufacturing issues surrounding the closure of the Ambassador uh, Bridge. However, um, in other sectors of manufacturing, the Federal Reserve says that it's been at the highest level since 2008. So we got a little bit of counterbalance there and, and partly why sh um, spend might be up over even though shipments were down, aside from all the other usual uh, issues, we still have capacity issues. We still, um, uh, you know, we still have uh, capacity issues. We still have the the truck driver constraints. We still have all mm -hmm. of those same pressures going on. But there, again, there's a lot of underlying positive economic activity um, that's kind of helping that. And then spend also is impacted by. Um, fuel. Again, yep. that's that's going to be one of the themes as you referred to it um, earlier, one of the, the constant themes amongst all the regions because fuel prices are not substantially different in one region over another. So they're all uh, impacted and in, um, in spend in that way, except like I said, where maybe mode changes might have shifted that to a different mode away from trucking. Yep. Uh, thank you for that, Bobby. Kathy, I'm coming to you next, but before I do, I want to say, so Jose is from right here, Atlanta, GA. Jose, wonderful. Uh, let us know what you're you're seeing out there in the freight markets. Uh, Minoj is tuned in from Riverside. Hey, let me know, Minoj, is that R Riverside, California? Confirm that for us, but great to have you here. And let's see, uh, Rhonda, really enjoyed your perspective, Greg. Uh, we certainly can be certain. We certainly can be certain that certainty is null and void. <laughs> Try to say that three times fast. And finally, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Wesley, great to see you here today. Let's know where you're tuned in from. Uh, he says, I wonder how the use of technology is being leveraged to assist with visibility and near real time data to determine where supply, where supply is and where it's being held up. Uh, All the excellent. time. Every and moment of every day. Yep. That's right. I think this is where you've seen a lot of truck brokerage firms really shine during this, you know, during the, the whole pandemic for the past couple of years. I mean, being able to tap into their their databases, the digital freight brokers, as well as the, the traditional ones, if there are traditional ones, um, to be able to tap into capacity right, and take advantage of the rates for better or for worse and such. So excellent point. Let's let's keep going there. So in the Midwest, you know, some very common challenges, common common conditions. Kathy, what else would you add in the Midwest? Weather. <laughs> the weather was kind of stinky during the quarter. <laughs> I believe there highly was technical term, right? Right. That's a meteorological <laughs> term. Stinky um, weather. I think there was 
a couple of inches of snow here and there that caused some delays at airports in particular, as well as on the road as well. So that may have also been a problem. Yep. Excellent points of stinky weather, Gregory, and beyond what uh, Bobby shared there. What else would you add? Yep. Now, now, we know the Midwest is uh, one of your favorite parts of the country, of course, Kansas City and Wichita. But what else would you add? And Chicago. Yeah. And Chicago, uh, that's right. Great right. food. Let's let's just start with the positives. Great food. Okay. <laughs> great people. Right. Stinky We're- weather. <laughs> and and seriously, some serious difficulties because of the Ambassador Bridge, you know, as Bobby has talked about, semiconductor issues. So many parts for American cars are made in Canada and shipped in that it it, it has created uh, issues up there. And uh, of course, trucks that are jammed on a highway or bridge are not moving freight. So, uh, or occupying Toronto, where the mm. heck were they? O- Ottawa. Mm. Yeah. Right. I mean, they, they weren't moving freight. So, right. um, you know, that that's well documented, but I think it's important for us to point out what the net impact of, of that was. And it was a significant and substantial impact on the transaction volume there. Yep. And of course, automotive manufacturing, which I think Bobby mentioned, uh, Midwest depends on that. And we all know uh, we don't, we, 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 you know, semiconductor is like toilet paper. We've mentioned both so many times and, and, and hopefully we'll have a remedy soon for the chips, but uh, I digress. Hugh, Hugh is from, this is the first time Hugh's let us know. He's from Northern Vermont, heart of the pure maple syrup country. Hugh, good stuff there. Um, Suleiman tuned in from retail world, uh, Nigeria. Great to have you here, Suleiman. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, let's see here. T-Squared says, I'm seeing a lot more breaking the bulk taking place uh, in hmm. the Northeast. That's interesting. That is interesting, isn't it? Okay. So we've gone through the Northeast, the Southeast, the Midwest in a whirlwind tour. We've talked cars. We've talked gas. We've talked truckers. We've talked Omicron. We've talked stinky weather and food, Greg. And, and Bobby Holland, maybe we can add... Uh, some of these, some of these new categories to the freight pay, payment index, maybe come <laughs> new parts of the index. But maybe your go. new term should be stinky weather. Kathy, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I that's love it. Lesson. That's a bless. That's a gift that keeps on giving here. So yeah. thank you so stinky much. Stinky weather Gabby. index. There you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's move to the Southwest, uh, Bobby. So what do we see in the Southwest? Uh, Southwest um, was down 2.1%, but had one of the biggest jumps in spend at 8.4% up. A lot of that could be attributed, perchance, to uh, increased truck volumes between the U.S. and Mexico. Hmm. Said inbound truck volumes from Mexico were at 4.3% in that region during the first two months of the quarter, compared with the same period in 2021, as statistically quoted in uh, the index. And also because of all the pressures on the industry, the energy industry. The Wednesday um, gets me all the time too, Bobby. <laughs> oil production <laughs> is up down there, which is uh, another contributor to freight in that region. So right, again, time. a lot of underlying economic activity that's keeping um, some of these dips from being as severe as they could be considering everything else happening. Yep. Uh, and Bobby, uh, his last point there was about energy. Crude oil production is up as the index points out. And whenever I hear crude, I don't know about you, Greg, Kathy, or Bobby, 
up from up from the ground came a bumbling crude. You remember? <laughs> do y'all know what? <laughs> I do not. You do not know, Greg. I know I you were know anything about the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> oh, there you go. Thank you, Bobby. Thank. You. I knew you knew the Beverly Hillbillies. Uh, what swimming pools? Swimming pools and movie stars. <laughs> right. And okay. the fancy eating table. <laughs> the fancy eating table. Concrete concrete pond or swim pool or something. Anyway, Kathy, I digress. We're talking about the Southwest. We're talking, uh, <laughs> talking about the energy impact amongst others. And by the way, uh, Kathy, Hugh, back to your earlier point, if I can pull it out here, Hugh, Hugh is seeing what you called out a moment ago. Uh, we're, he is seeing local brokers really shine when it comes to being nimble and flexible. So thank you for adding that, Hugh. But when it comes to Southwest, <laughs> yeah. So Southwest, what would you add to what Bobby laid out there, Kathy? I, I think uh, one thing in particular would be the shift from using the U.S. the, the West Coast ports to using Houston. Uh, a lot of shippers kind of learned the hard way, you know, not to put all their eggs into one basket when they're importing from uh, Asia, uh, the Asian countries. So. You know, the majority of those come in at L.A. and Long Beach. However, a lot of the uh, shippers have diversified onto the East Coast, but also into Houston as well, which has, I think, driven a lot of demand for trucking as well as that whole rail intermodal type of activity in that area. Excellent point. Uh, I think Bobby mentioned it. Uh, Of course, trade with Mexico. In some some, uh, places, I've seen increases, and, and hopefully we'll continue to see that as uh, some reshoring activities continue. Of course, Mexico is a, a, a excellent destination for that. Greg, we're talking Southwest. Beyond what Bobby and Kathy shared, what else would you add? Energy, of course. Uh, not that's not really an ad, but uh, you know, I, w- I was thinking back to when we were talking about the Southwest this time last year, when the entire place was iced over, frozen in, and completely shut down. Right, so uh, we couldn't get paints. Um, energy was a big issue. We didn't have that nasty old freeze. We didn't have nasty. We had nasty weather, <laughs> which is worse than stinky weather on the meteorological <laughs> scale. And it basically shut down the state, you know, in the first quarter of last year. And it, that didn't occur this year. So, you know, that that helped uh, along with obviously the increase in rates of of crude oil, which allows U.S. producers to produce, you know, to produce and refine oil mm. there and then of course move it so um that, you know i think it's, it's a pretty simple scenario down there the dramatic shift in the weather which i'm sure a lot of texans are thankful for this year no kidding man that was some strange weather a year or so ago hey really quick bobby or the the, the panel here has mentioned uh truck driver situation and there's there's a, a bunch of different takes on that but i want to bring in Minoja's comment here because he found that companies could hire truck drivers on an H-2B visa if there's a constraint of employees. So uh, maybe a little tip there for some of our hiring managers out uh, amongst our listeners. Um, okay, uh, so we've tackled Northeast, Southeast, Midwest, Southwest, and now we're moving to the wild, wild west, uh, our fifth region. Uh, Bobby, what did you see going on there? This was um, our anomalous region. Because in this region, uh, shipments were up 3% quarter over quarter, but spend was down almost 4% instead of the, the inverse, even though the fuel prices didn't go down. Uh, and this is, again, 
why there's some speculation that, um, you know, mode shifting might have been at play here, um, you know, as they worked feverishly to try to move freight out of the ports in inland. Um, you know, again, it's just not heard of to have the opposite occur uh, with all the, the same resulting pressures. Um, you know, one thing of note is that even though spend dropped almost 4%, it's still up over 42% from last year. So again, we're still flying pretty high there. Um, and still spending that money, still mm. spending that money. Like I said, the pressures haven't abated. So that's the only thing that can explain uh, this anomalous behavior. Yep. All right. So talking to West, the West region, Kathy, what else would you add to what Bobby shared there? Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, there, there is a good bit of the mode shifting, uh, particularly you know, to air. You know, from ocean to Your air. Your favorite. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I, I okay. A little digression here. So I read a lot of earnings transcripts from retailers and other shippers, and it really depresses me when when they're talking about how they had to invest in in air you know, even though they didn't want to, and they're not planning to do that anymore. Air is a wonderful uh, part of anybody, any shipper's strategy. And it, and it should be included in a strategy. It should never just depend on ocean. You know, I, I'm a multimodal person. You need to spread the love across right. all of them. And it's, it's interesting, you know, the year over year comparisons are, are interesting, but I haven't been able to use year over year comparisons in my analysis for a while, just because we're still in a pandemic situation, a sporadic pandemic. Okay. And, um, and it's hard to use those year over year. I, and this is something I truly appreciate with this index is mm. the quarter, uh, the quarterly comparison going back for as long as it has, because you start seeing, the trends that way. Right. Yeah. Uh, helpful context for sure. Uh, Kathy, thanks so much. And by the way, if you love Twitter uh, and you love real analysis of these quarterly reports uh, and these earnings statements and whatever that Kathy mentioned, Hey, make sure you follow Kathy on Twitter. It's, it's some of the best, most informed writing on supply chain. So, and Kathy, your Twitter handle is. CM Robertson zero six. Wonderful. Wonderful. Maybe our team could drop that in the comments. All right. Hey, Greg, I'm coming your way next, but I want to I want to take a couple quick comments here. Maybe we can circle back as a panel on this one. Ali, and welcome in, Ali. Great to have you here. Says that Samsung moved their input imports from California to New Jersey, coast to coast. How about that? Greg Campbell. Greg, hope this finds you well. I think, Greg, this is the Greg Campbell, our dear old friend that hosted a show at his facility, I believe, in Atlanta. If you remember way back when, Bo oh. and Jason. So Greg says, entry-level drivers are entering the market finally. That pipeline dries up during the pandemic as students couldn't or wouldn't attend the state-funded tech programs. I think that hangover is starting to wrap up. Excellent. Excellent. That's a good and point. It's a great point. And, and good afternoon to you, Evans, dispatching logistics, supply distribution. Great to have you here uh, via LinkedIn. Okay. So, Greg, a lot of stuff you can comment on here, whether it's the West or whether it's some of the points made in the comments. What, what What's on your mind? I think the the West is probably the most interesting in that the the backlog is starting to break up there. Far fewer ships than the maximum that were offshore of 
of Long Beach and Los Angeles in at at the peak time, and I think it's about time. And you know, we're start we started to see the impact of that. I, I don't know to what extent that in, in, that increased the shipments year over year, but a seventeen and a half percent increase from one year to the next is is pretty dramatic. So I have have I don't have the data, but I have to believe that that had a lot of impact on it. I feel like that impact could have been much higher if so much hadn't been shifted late in the quarter to to multimodal to rail, right, to get inland. Right. Um, right. but but it does it, it does definitely reflect the fact that the ports, both the ports uh, on the West Coast intentionally moved to to trucking from rail early in the year. Hmm. You say you don't have the data. You know who I know know has the data? Bobby Holland and Kathy Robertson, whether there's good or stinky data, they got it all, Greg. They got it all. Really quick, we're starting to wrap. We're coming down the home stretch here, and we're going to make sure folks know how to connect with Bobby and Kathy and Greg. I want to add in this comment really quick, folks. You can go to freight.usbank.com to sign up for your free copy of the quarterly freight payment index. So check that out. Our team also dropped uh, the direct link in the comments. So check that out. Greg, before I take a couple of comments and before we make sure Bobby and Kathy uh, can connect with our listeners, you posted today on your supply chain uh, perspective uh, on LinkedIn, talking about the kosherization uh, in the manufacturing industry, a very interesting uh, and, and niche industry. A lot of folks may not uh, know too much about. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about compliance, compliance with the ultimate authority, right? Right. Kosher. Kosherization is something that you do in the Jewish faith to make sure that your facilities are clean, uh, operating appropriately, and and uh, are making the right foods the right way. And particularly because Passover was was last weekend, it's it's even more strict during that uh, that time of year. So right there, and there are some great ideas to be handled. I'm not sure that I'm not sure that we shouldn't. I'm not sure that we always need a faith leader in our in our plants, but they appear to be doing a better job than the FDA. So maybe maybe so. But I think that the the way the rigor that is required there, you know, and has been for thousands, literally millennia, not millennial, right. but millennia, thousands of years, has has been the precursor to what the FDA and other uh, food authorities try to try to accomplish with cleanliness in you know in food production facilities. So there's a lot you can learn there from uh, the details of of how it's done to even why it's done. I didn't put links to the Talmud or the Torah or the Bible in there, but you can go to Wikipedia if you really want to <laughs> understand why you know why Passover kosher is even more strict than regular kosher. So check that out. When people uh, say that's kosher, they mean it's really good, really clean, really closely looked after. Right. So check that out. Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, uh, Greg White, his supply chain uh, perspective. Uh, maybe we can drop a link to that in the comments. Um, Bobby and Kathy. Now, Bobby, you can't comment here. I almost forgot my last question here. We might run a minute or two over, but Bobby, I know we shy away from forward looking statements here with the U.S. Bank team. So I want to ask one quick observation. As we move into firmly into spring, early summer, getting closer mm -hmm. and closer to peak season 2022, Kathy and Greg, what's one, and Kathy, we'll start with you. What's one thing to look for in the freight markets as we get closer into, you know, May, June, July? 
backups at the port. Um, I think you're gonna you're gonna see them both on the east and the west coast, uh, as Shanghai and other uh, Chinese ports reopen from their COVID lockdowns. You're gonna see them start coming to us hot and furious, and a lot of that shift um, is going to occur. Like I said, um, it's gonna hit Savannah and it's gonna hit Charleston. So that's probably going to occur probably in the July, June, July period, which is going to also create an interesting situation on the West Coast because you also have the port contractors, uh, the ILW uh, contract, which is up for renewal mm. July 1st. So, wow. It's one yeah. more thing. One more yeah. thing. Uh, come July 1st. Thank you for that, Kathy. Uh, Greg, one thing to look for. Yeah, stability. Look for it, but you won't find it because <laughs> it's it's not coming soon. Um, you know, to the point Kathy made, you know, with Shanghai and other ports in China coming online, potentially going offline, the disruption to the supply chain and the disruption to supply, as long as this war in Ukraine is going on for European countries, and as long as China remains complicit in supporting and defending Russia for their misdeeds, then you will continue to see arguably legitimate disruption coming from China. Whatever the reason, you will continue to see it. And not to mention consumers, as you said, consumers are becoming less confident. Builders are becoming less confident, right? Housing, depending on where you are at, is slowing down substantially in terms of sales and starts. Right. So there is a lot of transition coming in in the economy. We may not have a freight recession, but we may have a real recession. Goldman Sachs said there is a 35 percent chance of recession in the next two years. Again, not an economist, but I think it is a much greater chance and much sooner than two years. So uh, but that's based on anecdotal experience, not that's data. <laughs> um, so. So when uh, you but, say. Keep your eyes open because things will continue to shift, right? Uh, now now we've gone from one global upheaval, COVID and the government's um, necessary response to that, to now we've got what is effectively a war that is impacting the entire globe, though it's not occurring in, across the entire globe, but it is impacting the entire globe because it impacts grains as well as automotive and other materials uh, you know, across the world. Right. So when it comes to stability, uh, the, uh, the global supply chain has a little bit of U2 in it. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A little Joshua Tree uh, comment there. Hey, we're going to close uh, to the production team. We're going to close with Bobby and Kathy with us. Uh, so we're going to uh, close in just a second or two. I want to call attention. All of us have referenced what's going on in Ukraine. Yes. Amanda dropped the link in there. Y'all check that out. Leveraging logistics for Ukraine, getting really desperately needed aid to the right people, uh, not just in Ukraine, but in Poland and elsewhere. So y'all check that out. Also, there were some comments here as we start to wrap. Manoj was asking about jobs across supply chain. James makes a great point. Big surge in contracts and purchasing agents and procurement in general. You know, check out Dial P and Kelly Barner. But when it comes to transportation jobs, maybe we can tackle that in, in, in another, another show. But James also says production planning jobs, no shortage there. And we're definitely seeing that as well. So that's a great call out, uh, James. Okay. So as we wrap here, I want to start with you, Bobby. Let's make sure folks know how to connect with you, 
and sign up for the U.S. Bank Freight Payment Index. I'm available on LinkedIn, and I can also you can also reach me at bobby.holland at usbank.com if you want to reach me more directly. And then you can sign up, as was stated many times previously, freight.usbank.com for your free copy. Uh, it's a subscription, so once you sign up, uh, you'll get it regularly on a quarterly basis. Wonderful, and you don't want to miss it. Bobby all, Bobby, and the team always bring it. We should, should also give a shout-out to Dan, who got – Dan got our trivia question earlier right. So, Dan, high five to you. But big thanks uh, for your time and all that you do, Bobby, you and your team. Um, Kathy Robertson, you know, beyond, we want to make sure folks know how to connect with you. But you also, what is what is Freight Forward? This is kind of a, a new cool thing you're working on. Yeah, it's, uh, well, first of all, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Connect with me on Twitter. I am all over supply, uh, all over the social media thing, but I also have an email address too. So <laughs> that is uh, C. Robertson at logisticsti.com. But yeah, Freight Forward, this, this is a really cool little project. It comes out every Monday. And it was something that some of the guys at the Journal of Commerce and I were batting around uh, doing. So what it is, is it's a compilation. I, I read all of their, their articles, uh, the stories that they write put it all in a story, you know, how I see the market looking based on their stories. And I throw in a couple of other stories from other publications that I tend to use a good bit of. And there's some commentary from LinkedIn or from Twitter that I'll throw in there as well from folks that I know. And um, like I said, you can subscribe to it. Um, it's on LinkedIn. There's no charge. So just there's a little subscribe button on the newsletter. Hit Love it. it. You'll get like it. it. I love it. What would you say, Bobby? I said, I like it. I'm a subscriber. Oh, man. How about that? Hey, if you get Bobby Holland's endorsement, Greg, I <laughs> mean, tell me about it. Right? Yeah. Yes. But, Greg, I, I'm going to give you the final word here. A big thanks again to our esteemed panel. Uh, quite the one two punch here uh, with Bobby Holland, Director of Freight Data Solutions at US Bank, and Kathy Moore Robertson, Founder President of Logistics Trends and Insights. Greg, it's all about bringing these experts. And these resources and both of the, the, the freight payment index and freight forward, both are free and they got the finger on the pulse with hard data and expertise and know-how behind it that fuel it. But Greg, uh, your final word, what, what was uh, your best thing you heard here today? Maybe. I think the, you know, the best thing is th this is a great baseline tool for forming your own knowledge base around what has happened and what will happen in the freight markets. I don't think we've said that that explicitly like Kathy did, that this is one of the benchmarks that is used for people like Kathy and people who are making strategic decisions based on Kathy's guidance in in the industry. So it's that important and it's that impactful and it's that good of quality of of information. And, you know, however you you form your view of the world, this is a great tool for informing that view. Excellent. I couldn't have said it better. As always, that's usually the case. So Greg White, it's that Wednesday, Bobby, that Wednesday. See, it got me there. It got me there. Greg, always a pleasure. And folks, again, check out Greg White's uh, supply chain commentary every Monday, Wednesday, Friday on LinkedIn. Okay. Big thanks to Bobby Holland and Dan and the whole team at U.S. Bank. Big thanks to Kathy, Kathy Morrow Robertson and all of the cool things she's up to. Great to have two of our faves back. Big thanks to Greg White. Big thanks to Amanda 
Chantel, Catherine, Clay, the, everyone on our production team that helps make today happen. Folks, this episode was chock full, chock full of actionable insights. Make sure you connect with Bobby, Kathy, and Greg. But whatever you do, hey, whatever you do, Scott Luton, on behalf of our entire team, challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.